but I'm glad to see you. This morning, I'm going to preach a message. You may have heard a message like this. I never have. And normally, the stuff that gets me is the stuff that grabs my attention. If something doesn't get a hold of my heart, there ain't no point in me preaching on it. Because if it ain't going to grab me, it ain't going to grab you. This morning, in the book of the Revelation, chapter number 5, I want to talk to you about the prayer bowls in heaven. Right now in the heaven, there are these vessels. And the Bible tells us in the book of the Revelation, chapter number 5 and verse number 8. Revelation 5 and 8, the Bible says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Now notice that phrase, the Lamb. The reason that it's capitalized is it's trying to show you it is a one of a kind. It is nobody like this one Lamb. That's why it doesn't say a Lamb. It says the Lamb because there ain't another one like Him. Who is the Lamb? The first time John wrote in the book of John chapter number 1, he didn't get 28 verses into it. And he looks up out of the muddy waters of the Jordan River and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. It says they fell down before the Lamb. Before John ends this verse, he says this, Having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. In John chapter number 1, we read about the life of Jesus on the earth. But the moment you come into Revelation chapter number 1, we are taken to a time in the future. We are introduced to a man whose name is the beginning and the end. He is the first and He is the last. He is above all, He is through all, He is by all, He is in all, and He is all in all. He is He which was dead. Behold, He is alive forevermore. Then we get into John chapter number 2 and John chapter number 3, and we're taken to the second part of the book of the Revelation those things which were in the days of John. John talks about seven different churches that represent seven different ages of the church period, beginning at Ephesus and ending at Laodicea. The moment he gets out of chapter number 3, he goes to chapter number 4 and chapter number 5, and we are raptured into the presence of God. And in chapter number 5, we are given the vision of what Brother John sees up there. In heaven, John says that all of a sudden there is this sealed scroll. And inside of those sealed scrolls are the fullness of the plan and the judgment of Almighty God. But John weeps because there's nobody in the heavens that is worthy to unloose the seals and unscroll the judgments. And about that time coming off of the throne of God, they say, weep not, John, for the revelation is about to be unfurled. They say, weep not, Brother John, for the lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy to open the scrolls. 
And man, when the Lamb steps off the throne, coming out of the left side and coming out of the right side, there are three different groups that proceed into the presence of God. The first group that comes out are called the four beasts. We are told what those four beasts look like, but then the other, uh, the, the way that you would think about it is they're otherworldly. They don't make sense to our human mind. Brothers and sisters, there are going to be things in this blessed old book that don't make sense to the human mind. One old preacher said this, don't let your nerves get tore up over the stuff you don't understand. You worry about doing that stuff you do understand because that'll take you all your life anyways. Because if everything in this book made sense, it had to be written by somebody that was on the same level as you and I. But this book is not written by a man, but it came from the very finger of God. He says, number two, the second group that, that comes out are these 20 and four elders. And in their hands, the Bible says they've got a harp in one hand and they've got a golden vial in the other hand. Now, angels in the Bible are never said to have harps, but the elders are said to have harps. The third group that comes out is this group, and all we're told about them is they are clothed in a white robe of righteousness, and they have a song that has never been sung. It is a new song. Let me put it in the King Tyler Version. Have you ever been saved by the grace of God? Raise your hand up if you have. That's you and that is me. So here is what it says. It says that they sing a song. But I'm not interested but in that second group. I'm interested. I think that mama's going to tear that boy's tail up right there on the front row in the house of God. Help yourself, honey. It ain't going to bother me. I tear mine up before I get here. You tear yours up while you're here. It's fine with me. Here is what that second group says. That second group, it says that they've got a harp in one hand and they've got a golden vial in the other hand. That harp, we're not told anything about it, but that golden vial, I wouldn't want to be that boy right now. I can tell you that in the name of Jesus. That golden vial, we got to cut that out of the program, Avery, just so we know we got to edit that part out. That I'll have letters, I'll have TikTok messages. You, you support abusing a child. No, I don't support abusing them. I, just, I support beating their tails and then bringing them back. Say amen right there. Here's what I'm doing. No, don't clap for that. No, don't clap for that. I'll go to jail. They'll, they'll write that up on TikTok. Here we go. 55 emails. Reverend Tyler Golden, the new pastor at Hillcrest Baptist Church, advocates for beating youngins. Here we go. I can feel it now. But here is what it's says about those golden vows. It says that there are odors. That is a word for incense. And it says what those odors are. Those incense odors in that golden vial in the hand of the 20 and 4 elders are the prayers of the saints of God. That word vile, write this down in your Bible. That's an old King James word. That literally means a vile, it is a, a, a Greek word. It was a flat dish, a wide-mouthed bowl, and they would use those wide-mouthed bowls in the temples of the Greek gods, and they would put in them fruit and produce 
an incense or liquid that they would take into the, the, the holy place of those temples. And what went in that was used in the worship of that God. So you and I, when we hear that word vile, we think of a jar, a, a, a vase. If you're from Tennessee, it's a vase. If you're from up north, it's a vase. But yeah, we think about that tall, slender thing. But that's not what that word is in the Greek. It literally means a bowl. Here is what it says. It says in one hand, they've got these harps. And in the other hand, they're holding a bowl full of prayers. Brothers and sisters, in the heaven of heavens right now, the 20 and 4 elders representative of the church age have in their hand prayer bowls. What did God intend when he told us what was in them prayer bowls? He didn't tell us what they're wearing. He didn't tell us what they look like. But he wanted us to know that they had prayer bowls. Let me help you with these prayer bowls. They teach us a little something about praying. Number one, whenever we look at those prayer bowls, we understand the path of our prayers. Have you ever wondered how it is that your prayers and my prayers as the people of God get from earth to heaven? How is it that once a prayer is uttered from our lips that they make their way into the presence of God? Well, prayers in the Bible are likened to incense, and so incense has a specific path. Incense, back in the, old, in the New and the Old Testament, it would start out as something on the ground in its own environment. It was cut out of that environment, and then it was given to these priests. These priests would take that incense and make it acceptable to go into the temple or the tabernacle. Those priests would then hand it to the high priest who would ultimately take it into the throne room where the holy of holies is. Brothers and sisters, your prayers and my prayers don't just end up from here to there. There is a specific path that your prayers and my prayers take. Number one, prayer has to start as a burden. Where do I get that? Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Whenever that churning, that burning, that turning or that yearning is on the inside of your heart, it turns into something that you know you can't do anything about, so you pray it. That's the first step. The second step after it begins in the heart, number two, it has to be offered in faith. Matthew chapter 21, verse number 22. And whatsoever things ye ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive them. Hebrews 11 says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So the second thing is after that prayer comes off of the heart, out of the mouth, number three, it is taken to heaven by the Holy Ghost. 
Now, I'm going to get a little mystical right here, and I'm about to make some Baptist people nervous, but I got Bible on it. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 26 and verse number 27. Likewise, the Spirit himself maketh intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. What does that mean? It means this. When I get on my knees before a holy God, I've got feeble words. I've got unable words. I've got an, in, uh, uh, an incapable vocabulary. I don't even know how I'm supposed to pray, but I've got a helper. I've got an advocate on the inside. It's the third person of the Trinity. Now, beloved, our charismatic friends, believe that until you pray in tongues, you've not got it heard. That ain't got nothing to do with praying in tongues. It's not my tongue that gets it to the Father. It's a Holy Ghost tongue that gets it to the Father because here's what he says. He says, you ain't praying. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know. Here's, I'm your helper. I'll be your advocate. He takes that prayer and just like an intermediary priest would take that offering, that incense from the door outside the veil. He would take it on the inside of the veil and what went from the outside got in the priest's hands and went the inside it was going somewhere you see the Holy Ghost he finds you on an altar mama he finds you in a car daddy he finds you in a back prayer closet somewhere and he sees those tears running out of your eyes and you don't really know how to pray and you say Lord I don't know what to say the Holy Ghost said mm, yeah I know what you're trying to say mm, oh I, I feel that burden I feel that prayer and he says I'm going to take it from here that's the third. But what happens to it when it gets to heaven? The intermediary priest, number four, it's given to the high priest. You see, the high priest is the only one that can get it to the throne room. What does that have to do with us? Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 14 15, 16, and following. He says, let us therefore hold fast to the profession of our faith, seeing then that we have an high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus Christ the righteous. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may find help and obtain mercy in our time of need. And here's what happens. The Holy Ghost says, Jesus, you know that child that bowed and and became one of yours, they've got a request and I've put it in a package. I've sanctified that prayer. I've put it in a way that you can offer it before the Father and he hands it to the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ. He takes it before the Father and it tells us in Revelation chapter number 8 that when it gets in the hands of Jesus, he takes that heavenly censer full of Holy Ghost fire and it becomes an incense in the presence of God. Why am I blessed this morning? Will you write a verse down in John chapter number 11 and verse number 42? Here is what Jesus said at the tomb of the dead man Lazarus. He looks up to his father and he says, Father, I know that thou hearest me always. There has never been a prayer that got in the hands of the Holy Ghost that was taken to the Father's footstool and and given to the high priest that will ever be denied. Therefore, you got to keep on praying. The burden in the heart has got to be prayed in faith. 
And when it's prayed in faith, the Holy Ghost grabs hold of it and takes it to heaven and he gives it to the high priest. Now, evidently the high priest doesn't set every prayer on fire because it seems as if when the prayer becomes incense burning, it's been answered. But not all prayers are answered immediately. Some are put in bowls. Brothers and sisters, not every prayer you pray will be answered today. But every prayer you pray in faith will be answered. Number two, we learn the path of our... I'm going somewhere, I promise you. I'm taking you somewhere. Number two, we learn from these prayer bowls the preciousness of our prayers. The Bible says he puts them in golden vows. There are, there are ten. I'm going to get him to put a graphic up on the screens for you. There are ten things in the book of Revelation that John says are golden. What's golden in heaven? Number one, the girdle of Jesus is golden. Number two, the crowns of the elders are golden. Number three, the vows holding our prayers are golden. Number four, the censer at the altar is golden. Number five, the altar of incense is golden. Number six, the crown of Jesus is golden. Number seven, the girdle upon the angels is golden. Number eight, the vows holding judgment are golden. Number nine, the measuring reed that measures the, the walls of New Jerusalem is golden. And number ten, the streets that are made there in New Jerusalem are all made of gold. Now here is what I'm trying to show you. Here's the whole point. If the crown of Jesus is precious, yes it is. If the girdle of Jesus is precious, yes it is. If the girdle of the angels is precious, yes it is. If the very street made of gold is precious, yes it is. If the golden vials that hold the judgment of God is precious, yes it is. How precious must our prayers be that he puts them in gold? You know there's only two things that go from here to heaven? Number one, it's our tears, for the Bible says he bottles them. But number two, our prayers. I want to step on some Baptist toes. We practiced our sermon this morning and we practiced our song. But our songs will never be contained in anything in heaven. Our songs will never be practiced or sung in heaven, for there's a new song in heaven. We worked on our lessons this morning, but our lessons will never go to heaven. What have we done with our praying? The only thing that God says is precious about the people of God. Have we even spent any time doing that? Beloved, it is an amazing thing to me that our Baptist churches know how to talk about God, but they don't know how to talk to God. They'll preach about God, but they'll never preach to people about talking to God. It is about high time that our people learn how to pray better and stop performing in front of people. We've got our preachers, man, they are politic and they're pumped up. They got their tie right. Some of them get up in no ties and we want to argue about that, but yet not one of them has been under a Holy Ghost burden any time to get on their face and say, oh God, my fighting will not be in heaven. My urging will not be in heaven. 
My witnessing will not be in heaven. My sermons will not make it to heaven. My songs will not make it to heaven. Oh, God, let me be a man that knows what goes. My prayers. How precious must our prayers be that God makes golden bowls to put them in. Now, number three, I can tell you all wait that point up. Number three, let me give to you the third point about these prayer bowls. It talks about the power of our praying. Did you notice what he says our prayers are like in that bowl? He said it's like odors. Now, odors in our language and odors in that language are two different things. Whenever you see the Greek word odor, it literally means that which overtakes the environment that it's in. It's pretty much like a teenage boy. In fact, actually, the Greek word and the English word may not be too far off. It's just a little bit different. The Greek word for odor, I'm going to impress you with my Greek skills. Now, when I say these Greek and Hebrew words, I'm expecting y'all to pump my ego by going, ooh, okay, you ready? The Greek word for odor is thymamia. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Now, I'm going to really impress you. Do you know what we get our English word from that word? You ever cooked with a fragrance called... Time. You see, one of the ingredients of the incense that they would take into the the altar of incense, it was time. They would take time and they would set it on fire. Do you know why? Because time was a fumigant. It would push out all the bugs from that holy place. You see, there was blood on that mercy seat. And when blood gets old and caked up, what does it bring in? Flies. Death always attracts disease. So they had to keep a, uh, they had to put something there that would say to everything that didn't belong, you got to go. He said, them bowls are full of stuff that when you bowed down, you declared something's got to go. You see, that is what praying is. It's when you get so sick and tired of this earthly way. You get so sick and tired, mama, of the way the devil has got his little fangs around your babies and you get under such a burden and you say, no, 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 no. We're not playing this game anymore. I'm about to light off something that's going to push the death out of this room. I'm getting ready to turn something on that's going to push that which does not belong out of this room. I'm sick and tired of my kids being hooked by the devil and so I cannot talk my way. I cannot walk my way, but when I cannot talk and I cannot walk, I can get on my knees. And when my prayer is taken by the Holy Ghost and lifted up to the throne of God, God Almighty, He says, I'm going to do something about that which is there and doesn't belong. And in the very presence of God, right there in that bowl, brothers and sisters, this is what you've got to understand. That is nothing more than a mama, a daddy, or a grandparent that said, no no more. Brothers and sisters, what is the prayer that changes the way? You ready? Jesus said it in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 2 and 3. Here it is. Thy kingdom come. 
if you really want to shake the gates of hell, start declaring that over your mama, over your daddy, over your grandparents, over your kids, over your grandkids. And I mean, I'm talking about Holy Ghost locking in and I'm talking about pushing everything out and saying, Lord, I'm tired of the kingdom of darkness having a say in my kids. That's not the kingdom I belong to. And so, Lord, I'm praying right now for my son. Oh, God, let your kingdom come into his mind. God, let your kingdom come into his life. Lord, he's a dating a girl, and I don't care very much for her. She's a little no-good-for-nothing thing, and all she's trying to do is tear him up. Lord, I can't get his attention. His mama, I'm going to help somebody right now. I, I can't get his attention. His mama can't get his attention, but I dedicated that child to you on an altar somewhere, and I said his kingdom is going to be your kingdom, and so my God, I'm praying right now, push the kingdom of darkness out and let your kingdom come. Time out. What happened to our backbones? They're not going to like me very much. They ain't going to be able to like you when they're so hooked on everything from here to Beersheba. They're not even going to be able to understand what world they're in. We've lost an entire generation afraid to offend them. I would rather stand in my children's... Now, I've got teenagers. I'm having to live with this. i got a little boy right now. i got a little girl that's on her way. I am not interested in what anybody else thinks, and I show enough ain't interested in what the devil thinks. God gave us those kids. God gave me this home, and if I've got a burn on the way down, I'll stand and say, Thy kingdom come! I'm from the ACC. They give us five timeouts. <laughs> I will not. You're not supposed to put your hands in your pockets when you preach. But I'm doing it. I will not let our Baptist churches go to hell because the devil has raised up a bunch of spineless jellyfish that are afraid to stand for anything. I'm not talking about mean. I'm not talking about bulldog. I'm talking about somebody like Criswell, somebody like Lindsay. I'm talking about somebody that knows God and says, you know what? That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way we operate. We're not here to raise up kingdoms. We're here to build the kingdom of God. And somebody that says, that doesn't belong in our churches. That doesn't belong in this nation. That doesn't belong in the White House. That doesn't belong in the Congress. That doesn't belong in the State House. That doesn't belong at the church house. That doesn't belong at my house. Oh God, I don't have the power, but thy kingdom come. He says the prayer bowls are full of the prayers where God says, I'm going to push the devil out. And when I get ready to offer this up, can I help you with something? God can do in five seconds what we can't do in five lifetimes. Y'all don't know much about me. Boy, I should be a whole lot more dignified on a Sunday morning. I know that. I didn't want to preach. Only thing I know about preachers is they were fat and they golfed all the time. 
I hate golf and I ain't interested in being fat. I want to be a firefighter like my daddy. Well, I wanted to be a police officer, but you had to be 21 to do that, and I ain't never had patience. So you can be a firefighter at 19, so I'm just going to do that. Man, I want to be a firefighter. Firefighters work one day off, two days, and on the two days off, they all had side gigs. So I was going to start a business, and I was going to make money, and, and man, I was going to go on vacation three and four times a year, and I was going to have a bass boat, and I was going to go out on the lake. I hate fishing, but I was going to go around and pull a tube around. I was going to have a great life. I was, going to mar- I was just going to have a great life. I was one week from starting school to be a firefighter. One week. And God, I didn't know it was God. Something got a hold of me. And when I say it got a hold of me, I've been trying to shake it for 20 years and I ain't been able to. What got a hold of me? I can't altogether put it, but I think I got it figured out. I hated Sunday school. I hated Sunday school. Brandon Patton, I hated Sunday school. In the first grade, I had this Sunday school teacher. And God bless her heart. She had this flannel graph. And if you interrupted her flannel graph, she would grab your head and make you... I'm going to tell you something. I've been combing my hair like this since I was in the first grade. You touch my hair, I'll send you to meet your maker. (laughs) I'll break you one way, throw you back the other way, and we'll eat a tuna fish sandwich while I'm doing it. It won't bother me. You touch my hair, I'll send you to meet your maker. Whichever one you are serving, you'll go meet them. And I got... Listen, I was acting up. I'll be honest. I deserve to have my just absolute blessings worn out of me. And she came up to me. She grabbed me by the head. And I thought, lady, I'm about to kill you right here in this place, in this little Sunday school class. She held her hand on my head. And I kindly looked up at her. And she wasn't saying anything, but her lips were moving. You know what she was doing? She was praying. I don't have any idea what she said that day. But several years after God called me to preach and I was going along with my ministry, she came to a little youth revival I was preaching. And she came in and she hugged me. And she said, I knew from the day you set foot in my class, God was going to call you to preach. She said, I started praying. From the first grade until I was 18 years old, however much time that is in between, I was living and my life was being directed and my path was being put in place. Me and Chris were talking about it the other day. He said, what kind of friend group did you run with in high school? I said, brother, it's the craziest thing. I said, I never could find a crowd that I fit in with. Everybody else would be having parties, but they wouldn't invite me. Everybody else would be going to this and they wouldn't invite me. It was as if I had been insulated. It was as if I had been put behind a veil. 
It was as if God had put me in a little pocket and he wouldn't let me out. I wonder what put me in that pocket. I'll tell you what happened. One day in a Sunday school class, a little Sunday school teacher looked up to the heavens and she said, God, I'm going to lift up in the prayer bowl and I know you may not pour it out today, but one day, God, you're going to pour it out and I want the devil to not have that boy. I want that boy to not be taken by the enemy. Oh, God, I'm promising you right now, there are people in this room, there are people right now teaching Sunday school and you are the product of a mother that prayed way back yonder, of a daddy that prayed way back yonder, of a deacon that got your name way back yonder. We are living, breathing examples of the prayer bowls in heaven. Where are mamas and daddies with a backbone anymore that go down to their house in a prayer closet and say, as for me and my house, thy kingdom come. Number four. What number am I on? Number four. Let me show you in these prayer bowls the payoff of your prayers. It appears that when these 20 and 4 elders are holding these prayer bowls, that they're holding unanswered prayers. Because when you look over in chapter number 8, verse number 5, down through verse number 8, we see what happens when a prayer gets answered. The Bible says that the angel takes the censer from off of the altar and lights that incense on fire and it rises up before God. But until it rises up, it's an unanswered prayer. You know, the old timer said there's three answers to every prayer, yes, no, and wait. I can't help but wonder if those prayer bowls don't hold weights. How many wives pray for a husband to be healed and he goes to his grave and we say, God, didn't I pray right? The devil says, you must not have believed right. God didn't answer that prayer. But yet you said, Lord, if I pray anything according to your will, you hear me. 1 John 4, 18. Lord, is it not your will that we be healed? Isaiah 53 says it is, for by his stripes we are healed. Doesn't make any sense. Unless, unless this is not all there is to it. Unless this place, our prayers aren't going to all be answered here, but one day that great host of people standing around the throne of God and the 20 and 4 elders come out with the prayer bowls of heaven and say, do you remember when you prayed for your daughter to be healed and You thought I forgot about it and she went down to the grave and he lights that incense on fire. (laughs) He says, look, death has no more power over her. Sickness has no more authority over her. Your prayer is answered. 
What about the mamas and daddies in this room that just wanted a child? And God never gave you the earthly privilege to have a baby. You tried. I was in my my little study the other day. And I didn't speak in tongues thinking about this. But boys, I thought about it. It got so good in there. Brandon, there's going to be a whole lot of children in heaven whose mamas and daddies never got saved. What about all those babies that were aborted? Where do you think they go? Mamas, what about all those miscarriages? Where do you think those children go? There's going to be a whole host of children standing around that throne. And you're going to see that prayer you prayed on earth. He said, God, can I please have a baby? God, I just want to be a mama. And he's going to say, you remember when you prayed that prayer? And I said, wait. He said, bring me the fire. Your prayer is heard. He's going to light that bowl up. He's going to say, you see all those children? I'm not going to let them go through eternity and not have anybody to be with. He's going to say, you wanted one child. Come here, I'm going to give you a hundred. I ain't never praying for no kids on this earth. Say amen right there. (laughs) He'll say, every tear shall be wiped away. From our eyes. How do you think somebody that ain't even got a mom and daddy are not going to cry anymore when God says, I'm going to take that prayer bowl? There's people in this room right now. You are so hurt. And you think God didn't hear your prayer. It may be that God did hear your prayer. And he didn't ignore it. But he put it in his prayer bowl. One year ago today. One year ago today. In just roughly about 24 hours. My wife was going to tell me. Tyler, we're going to have a baby. After I pick my jaw up off the floor, we were going to embark on about a month-long process of keeping, losing, keeping, losing, keeping, losing. I've told you all the story that day that the doctor said the baby's not going to make it. I brought Erica and Mason and Ella into the living room. And boys, I'm telling you, I'm old school. I, I, sh- I may should have been Pentecostal. I don't know. But I believe in some of that old time stuff. I'm telling you, I believe in some of that old time stuff. I believe in anointing with oil. I believe in laying on a high. I believe in that stuff. And Ray, I brought my little wife in there. And her little belly had poked out with that little baby. We raised her little shirt up. And that belly was poked at. And we took oil. And we poured it on my wife's stomach. And I took my hands, Ella took her hands, Mason took his hands, 
And youngins, when I tell you I grabbed hold of the horns of heaven, I cannot think of another time where I have prayed with as much authority and power as I did that day. When I tell you I about lifted that couch up off the ground praying, I'm telling you I about lifted that couch up. And if you think that's too mystical for you, you sit there and let me tell my story because I'm telling you it was there. And I mean, I felt electricity shoot out from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I felt pyre on me. Son, I got, and I mean, I prayed. I looked at my wife and I said, Erica, it's done. Within one week, I had her in a hospital with a doctor saying, I'm sorry. And my wife looked at me and she said, I thought you said it's done. I wrestled with that pain and that uncertainty for months. Until the other day when I saw the prayer bowl. I see myself in Revelation chapter number 5, verse number 9 and 10. And that great crowd of cloud of witnesses is standing there singing their new song. I see myself standing there in a robe of righteousness. I, I see my, my wife standing there and my mason standing there and my, my Ella standing there. And all of a sudden, the 20 and the four elders march out from before the throne of God. And there in their hands, they have that prayer bowl. And I see that prayer that I offered for that little baby in that living room that day. And something says, do you remember, son, when you prayed that prayer and you thought I did not hear? I did not answer in your time, but I did answer. Here's what I'm telling you. If we really believe that our greatest life is in the next life, then this life is just a warm up for that life and all of a sudden he says it's time to hear that prayer answered and he brings that little pitter patter feet I have no idea what children are like in heaven but this is my story and I'm going to tell it like I want to tell it son I see little pitter patters come out from behind the gate and all of a sudden he said I've heard that prayer you know that baby you lost and death you thought it had its way I did heal that child I just did it in a different place and I'm telling you that day you'll love God hears your prayers. I ain't been around long, but I've been around long enough to know that some of you have really fought the battles. Children that died, spouses that died, cancer you begged God. One day you'll stand in heaven. And the elder will say, you remember when you prayed? It is done. And he offers it. And you see God heard. And number five, the fifth thing I learned about these prayer bowls is the present nature of our prayers. Now, I want to talk to mamas and daddies specifically right now. I want to talk to teenagers or college kids that are... I want you to hear me because what I'm about to tell you, I ain't never heard, but I wish I had. When John sees those bowls of prayer, he's looking into the future. 
But it's as if. It's as if he's there. He said, I know this is a day in the future, but it's like I'm standing. He says, you're telling me that I can pray prayers today and in the future they can be there? Huh? You're telling me that you can pray prayers that will go to a place and be there before you get there. I may or may not be here in 50 years. If I live 50 more years, I'll be roughly almost 90 years old. But the odds are, whether I'm here or not here, my prayers can be here. Did you know that you can pray right now? And one day, when your kids least expect it, God answers that prayer. Can I ask you a question? We don't know when we're going to leave this place, so why are we not praying for a time when we're not going to be here? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Can I ask you a question? Grandmama, who's going to pray for your grandchildren if you never meet them? I'm not guaranteed that I'll see my daughter walk down the aisle, but I want to make sure she marries the right person. So I've got to make sure I'm laying up in those prayer bowls for when I'm not there. You say, you're telling me that prayer can do something even after I'm gone? Oh boy, yes it can. Can I give you two Bible stories just so you don't think I'm making it up? The first Bible story is found in the book of 2 Kings. And there is a man whose name is Elisha. He is the prophet of God. And the Bible says that Elisha dies. And they bury Elisha. Days and weeks and months go by. And there's a battle that breaks out. And a soldier dies. And the Bible says that they're getting ready to bury that soldier. And the band of the enemy comes. And you know what they do with that body, Brandon? They take that body of that dead soldier and they toss it into the grave of Elisha. And you know what the Bible says? Whenever that dead soldier hits the bones of Elisha, there was so much power that had been built up. My God in heaven, there was so much power that had been built up in his life that after he was dead, it had authority over death even after it was dead. Brothers and sisters, you do know right now you can lay up prayers for your family and you may not even meet your family. You can lay up prayers for your grandkids. You may not ever lay up, uh, see your grandkids. What happens to the church that comes here in two or three generations if they don't know how to pray? Who's going to pray? You say, I don't believe... One more story, one more story, one more story. Can I give you a verse? One more story? What if I told you that's what Jesus did? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he bows in John chapter number 17 and verse number 20. And this is what he says. Neither pray I for these only, but for all them which shall believe on their word. Brothers and sisters, 
you and I are living off of the prayers of Jesus Christ. And he's been in heaven for 2,000 years. But there was so much authority in his life that he said, Father, I want to pray for that generation that I've not even seen yet, but I know that they're coming. I'm praying, God, would you touch them that believe after this generation? Honey, right now, I'm already thinking about my grandchildren. If Jesus tarries is coming, I'm already thinking about my great-grandchildren. I'm already thinking about my, my little nephew. I'm already thinking about the day he gets married, and that's several decades to come. But I don't know that I'll be here in several decades to come, but I want to make sure sure that my prayers are there even if I'm not there. Where are the people that say, you know what, God, I don't have to see the answers to the prayer in my life. I want to just make sure they're in the bowls of heaven. And whenever you get ready to pour those bowls out, brothers and sisters, your prayers can go places that you may never go. In the prayer bowls. You know, this current generation doesn't like me very much. Dave, me and you've talked about this. Dave's a group of preachers out there. They absolutely think that I'm a dinosaur. They think the way I preach is antiquated. It could be. They think the way we pray is antiquated. It may be. But there's something holding me in this lane. I can't fully tell you that I understand it. But I do wonder if maybe somewhere along the way there wasn't a Charles Stanley or a W.A. Criswell after the conservative resurgence in the 1970s and 80s when they bowed on their knee and said, God, there's going to be a day when I'm not here. It may not be much, but make sure you still keep preachers and churches that can lift up the truth. And maybe I'm being held in a vein because of the prayers of somebody that lived. My pastor went to heaven just a couple of weeks back and I did his funeral. But I know right now, before he went to heaven, he got on his little knees and he said, God, make sure that boy stays in the lane. Make sure that child stays in the vein. Ladies and gentlemen, I am operating right now on the prayers of somebody that lived and breathed and all I'm trying to tell you right now, they are gone. We're living on their prayers. But there's a generation coming that they did not know but we can see them off in the distance and it's time for people. It's time for churches. It's time for deacons. It's time for people. It's time for mamas and daddies that say, oh God, I'm locking down off of the things that don't matter and oh God, I'm laying up in the golden bowls of heaven prayers for people that I'll never meet. The prayer bowls. Can I ask you a question? When they bring your prayer bowl out, how full will it be? And that's all I've got to say about that. Let's stand all over the congregation.